We'll now uh, open God's word. Firstly, from the Gospel of John. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 17. John chapter 5, 1 through 17. It's headed up the healing at the pool on the Sabbath. So after this, there was a feast of the Jews. And that was after uh, Jesus had healed the official's son. And there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bathsheba, Bathsheba. Bethesda, it does to me, which has five hooded, five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame and paralysed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was a Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? The man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. And afterward Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. So far the reading of God's word. Now text verse is... Verse 7 from chapter John chapter 5. Especially these words, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. Sir, I have no one. I have no one. Then also, with reference to Isaiah 63 verse 5. Isaiah 63 verse 5. I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled, but there was no one to uphold. So my own arm brought me salvation, and my wrath upheld me. These are the words of our Father himself. I looked, but there was no one to help. Now, topic this morning are the words, I have no one. I have no one. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, have you ever felt this way? I have no one. 
or you look through your phone directory. And I had to say these words. I have no one, despite or maybe because of the internet, social media and television, people are feeling more disconnected and alone than ever. And when you are saying these words, I have no one, you are probably in need of help. You are frustrated about your situation. Maybe you want some help in the house, and you say, I have no one. You are frustrated that it's only you that you have, that have to clean. Maybe you are a widow, widower, have no one. Maybe your situation has changed, that you can't drive anymore. You need someone to take you to the doctor, to church. You say, I have no one. Today we will learn that these words, I have no one, as uttered, said in our passage, is the result of sin and the fall where Adam and Eve has, have sinned and the relationship between God and people and people and their neighbors were distorted and broken so that people have no one. Sin it's the reason we are feeling so lonely. Why we don't care about our neighbors that much. And in these times of loneliness and despair, we need to cry for help to God, the only one who can give help. The only one who can give peace. That's what a psalmist in 20, Psalm 25 verse 16 to 18 did. That's a prayer of a person who was afflicted. And in his distress, he called out to the Lord in prayer, Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my things. If we want to know what loneliness and despair is, we need to listen to this man of Bethesda. His cry that he had no one. It's a cry that illustrates the misery of man. And what is our misery? Hunger, anxiety, thirst, evil are the consequences of sin and misery. And suffering, evil and pain are bad, but there's one thing worse than this, and that's the misery of sin. Sin is the cause of all our misfortunes, our loneliness, our worries, our hunger, our grief, our pain, our hate. And Genesis, Adam and Eve received the calling to live for God, to be kings and queens. They had to serve God, honor Him, live according to His image, and made God's image observed in everything they did and said. What is misery then? The misery is selfishness. The desire to be God. The lie of Satan in Genesis 3. Making our own choices apart from God and his words. And selfishness means 
that we are too important in our own eyes. Too busy, we sometimes say. But there's only one person who matters, and it's yourself. The modern human will do anything, kill, steal, lie, as long as they can benefit. I don't know if you've seen. France is burning. So the whole of Europe. That's the hate of modern society. And it all came from the fall where we were created to be kings, to govern, to honor God. But Adam and Eve chose disobedience to, and to gratify their own lust and sinful desires. They did not do what God demanded to love the Lord above all, but chose themselves. And so they sunk in misery. And with them all their descendants. And so we see these characteristics of misery clearly in our passage in John 5. Where our Lord Jesus Christ visited the pool of Bethesda close to the sheep gate. And the sheep gate was close to the temple. Many sheep went through this gate to be sacrificed for the sins of their owners. But close to the sheep gate. There was a pool. And this pool was a symbol of the people's misery. The pool of Bethesda. And thousands of sick people visited that pool. But this pool was also a sign of hope because its waters had healing power. An underwater spring caused the pool to bubble occasionally. And the people believed that the bubbles were caused by the tipping of angels' wings. And they also believed that the first person to touch the water after the angel did would be healed. And a multitude of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, were waiting there at this pool. And for many years, this man was waiting as well. But he had no one to help him to get into the pool. Bethesda's meaning is house of mercy. But for many it means, it meant house of misery. And Bethesda, Bethesda became the symbol of misery, the effect of sin, the misery that we see today still. We still have the blind, the sick, the paralyzed, the drug addicts. Our hospitals are full. There's a waiting list for people to be treated. Have you ever visited the emergency department at a hospital, a local hospital? Maybe an hospital. The usual, usual waiting time, according to their website, is four hours. That's if you are lucky. Although the most serious ill patients are seen immediately, and that's to their website as well. Sometimes it differs. But this man in our Bible reading was waiting for a long time. He was waiting so long that he almost lost the light in his eyes. The Bible reading tells us that he was an invalid for 38 years. Then Jesus saw him lying there. He knew that he had already been there a long time, and he said to him, Do you want to be healed? 
And it's the man's words in our text verse that describes the misery of sin and loneliness. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool, and when the water is stirred up, while I'm going, another steps down before me. His answer is the cry of suffering. Loneliness. We hear this cry today still. This cry is a cry for help, but also an accusation to others. If he just had someone, a neighbor, who would help. But none of those who were waiting said, you are suffering for 38 years already. You go first. In their selfishness, they wanted to be first, to be healed. But that's the sick people. What about the healthy people who were present? What about the Pharisees who were righteous in their own eyes, who later accused the Lord that he healed on the Sabbath? They were walking past this pool of Bethesda to worship at a temple. Maybe they thought that his sickness was God's judgment over his sins, like they told Job. But it could be another reason. The Lord demanded that you should love God above all and your neighbor as yourself. But they argued about who their neighbor is many times. We saw that in Jonah. We saw that in Jesus' parable in Luke 10, verse 25 to 37. And we know this parable. About a Samaritan. This parable in Luke 10, Jesus made clear who the neighbor of the victim was. The priest and then the Levite both passed by, by on the other side. But then came a Samaritan and he used his wine and oil, treated his wounds, brought him and his donkey to an inn and paid all expenses and even offers to stop by and return in case he hasn't paid enough. In that parable, it wasn't like we've imagined. Wasn't his people, the Levites, who were supposed to understand God's mercy as they were sanctified to work in a temple as gatekeepers, soldiers, and musicians, the church leaders who did not help, the priests who were chosen concerning to bring the sacrifice, but a Samaritan, those who were the Jews, the spies, who were not allowed to be in the temple. And so this is the physical embodiment of that parable. Samaritans were not seen as their neighbors. And the Jewish people despised the Samaritans because they were pagan people of a mixed race. And likewise, the Samaritans ate the Jewish people with an equal level of contempt. But in that parable, Jesus asked the lawyer, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. This is what it is about. Mercy. Mercy. For the sick man, Bethesda, there was no one. No mercy. No one showed him mercy, and therefore his cry is a cry to everyone to love those who have no one. Love your neighbors, not only those who are part of your family, part of your church family. Your Australian brothers and sisters, 
But love to our neighbors to love those who need mercy. Those who have no one. And Jesus showed mercy to this man. He showed mercy in a way this man did not expect. He did not help him in the water. But he told the man, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once this man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Jesus gave this man more than he ever expected. This is what the Lord gives. More than what we expect. More than what we deserve. This man only expected to have some relief from his suffering. Jesus gave much more. Jesus called this man to repentance and faith. We read in verse 14. Afterward, Jesus came to him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. See no more that nothing worse may happen to you. We may ask what worse can happen to this man than 38 years of suffering, sickness. For us it may be the worst. But there is something worse. That's an eternity of hell. And so the Lord answered our prayers of loneliness, suffering over the centuries, And he answered for his son. The Lord also looked and saw there was no one to redeem us from our misery and the effects of sin except God's own son, his right hand, our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord said there was no one. So I will act. Romans 3, Paul leaves no room for the notion that some people are more or less sinful than others, that there are some people that can. And he said, all are equally in the brave. And he asks and states in verses 9 to 10, are we Jews better off? No, not at all, for we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. Indeed, there was no one. But Apostle Paul did not stop there. Not only must people admit to the fact of being depraved, but all people must also admit the great depth of their depravity, says Paul. All people have to admit that their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is up their lips, and their mouths is full of curses and bitterness, and their feet are shift to Swift to shed blood in their paths are ruin and misery and a way of peace they have not known. That's Romans 3. There was indeed no one. That's the Heidelberg Catechism as well, Lord's Day 3 of the Heidelberg Catechism. But are we so corrupt that we are totally unable to do any good inclined toward all evil? And the answer, yes, unless we are born again by the Spirit of God. We fell so deep in sin that we were unable to do any good, inclined to all evil. There was a miracle needed to save mankind. There was no one that could save us but God. God gave this miracle. We read about this in Isaiah 63 verse 5. I looked, but there was no one to help. And I was appalled, but there was no one to uphold. So my own arm brought me salvation, and my wrath upheld me. 
in his plan of salvation, God sent his own son. Our Lord Jesus Christ to bring the children of God over the boundary back into God's kingdom. And it was all the Lord's work. God sent his son Jesus Christ on the cross to die for my sins. God reached down into the depravity of sin to pull me out. And the great depth which God had to reach spells out the more and the great extent of God's mercy, kindness and saving a wretch sinner like me. And it was God's doing. God's compassionate mercy. He sent his son to die for our sins because there was no one. When Jesus is God's proof of love, it was the living proof of God's love for us. God who loved us so much, who showed us so much mercy that he gave his only son. And his son became the one who was hated, would not acknowledge, scolded, because he healed the one who had no one on the Sabbath, so that he could carry all this hate. On the cross. This is how God loved us through His Son, without any conditions. And through Jesus, He showed grace to us. He was despised, He was rejected, and Jesus became no one so that we could be healed through His wounds. He was all alone on the cross so that we would never be alone again. That's our Lord. And He's the answer to the brokenhearted, the lonely, those who don't have hope, those who have no one. But what should we do? Jesus told us that we should show mercy to our neighbor. He said to the lawyer in Luke 10, you go and do likewise. This means that maybe we should stop debating on how we can disciple to whom? And start showing love to my neighbor. The one you can minister through kind love and deeds. And trust that God can change them as well as he has changed you and me. Maybe you are not the best word missionary. But through the great God's great love you can be the best deed missionary. A deacon, a minister of God's mercy. Most importantly, to proclaim the gospel. Jesus showed to the sick man in our Bible reading that the water of Bethesda could not save him. But only he, the living water, can save and forgive sin. John 4 verse 14 to 14 explained to the woman at the well, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. That's the water of the well. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. And the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This is the living water that Jesus gave to the man of Bethesda as well. It's more important than everything else. And so the Lord wants to give you eternal life as well. To assure you that you have him. 
And although he, in his wisdom, may decide not to heal you from your sickness, he wants to give you the strength to carry your cross and have eternal peace. He also understands our pain, our suffering, and he wants to help in his compassionate mercy. And he sees our repentance, and he gave his spirit to assure that our sins are forgiven in Christ. And he assures in Isaiah 63, verse 5, that our Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled, but there was no one to uphold. So my own arm brought me salvation, and my wrath upheld me. First part of the promise the Lord fulfilled. Jesus came to save us from our sin. He brought salvation but when he comes again, he will come as the judge to deliver God's wrath and righteousness. Because God's mercy and justice are in perfect harmony, we never have to doubt if God is merciful. He sent his son. On the cross, Christ bore the righteousness of God, the full penalty of sin. And God would have been never satisfied with anything less than perfect justice. We can't appear before him in anything other than his grace and mercy as we are inclined to hate God and our neighbor. God bore the righteous judgment of sin. We obtained the forgiving grace of God. But for those who reject Jesus, the living water, who persecute his children, while committing atrocities and abominations, God's judgment will stay on them. They were warned over the ages and called to repentance. And Jesus warned in John 12 verse 48, The one who rejects me and does not receive my words as a judge, the word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Matthew 10 verse 33, But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. I want to conclude. We are living in a world where there's much suffering. Suffering because of war. Suffering because of drugs and alcohol. Suffering because of loneliness. But most of all, suffering because of this world that believes there's no one that can save them. There is someone. His name is Jesus. He's the one that saved us. The one that healed. Do not close your eyes to the need of your neighbor. Continue with the ministry of mercy and love to be a neighbor to them. But above all, proclaim that Jesus is the only one that can save. This is the greatest mercy that you can show to someone. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, there was no one but you gave your Son to act as our Redeemer. We have sinned, and you gave your Son to pay the penalty of that sin. Your only Son became no one so that we can become sons and daughters in your house. Father, we pray that we can proclaim as a ministry of mercy to all those who say there's no one. 
that we can proclaim that you've already sent your Son, Jesus Christ. And He is the way, the truth, the life, and the only one. He is the answer to the misery of this world. And He wants to give everlasting peace. He is inviting Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Father, you gave your Son so that we could be saved. You gave everything. Sometimes, Father, we look in despair and say we have no one. But that's not true, Lord. We have our Lord Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. And with Him, we can never be lonely again. Never be hungry again. Never be thirsty again. Because we have eternal peace. Your church, Lord, you entrusted this gospel message to us so that we also can proclaim that there's someone and his name is Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.